You can open up in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. So the Holy Spirit had been poured out. There was a sound. There was a great noise that had drawn everyone. There was no wind as we went over. There was no wind of the Spirit. There was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. And it drew people into the area. And they came out speaking in tongues, but everyone heard them in their own language. Whether that meant they were speaking a language or the people heard them, more than likely they were speaking it. One was speaking one language, one was speaking another. And people heard them in their language because they came from all over the world, Jews from all over the world. And they all heard their native language as well as um, the... Well, they all heard their their native language that was was being spoken. And it ministered to them. They heard them praising God in that language. They didn't necessarily hear preaching, but they heard praising praising of God. So Peter stood up as all these people were beginning to question what was going on, and some people said they were drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, now of course their number is eleven, plus Peter is twelve now, because they had selected a new one. Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now what that means is, this is the first hour of prayer, up until which even the most compromising of Jews would not have transgressed. It's also one of the feast days, and on Sabbath and feast days, you don't eat or drink until after this hour. So this is what he's saying. Look at the hour. Look at the time of the day. Look at the day that it is. They cannot be drunk, as you are saying. But he does say, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, Peter, when he stood up here, this is the same Peter who did not understand about the third day. How many times Jesus told him, the third day I'm going to rise, the third day I'm going to rise, the third day I'm going to rise, and the third day he sat. Same Peter and same rest of the disciples. But the Spirit of God came upon Peter. And he began to say some things in here. And what's interesting is this is he is preaching something that he probably gave no thought to. This is probably not something that he had devised or even understood until this moment. And if you have ever been in a position of teaching or even when you are explaining the gospel to people, sometimes as you are explaining the gospel, light comes to you. Mm-hmm. And this is probably what happened here with this because we're going to see something very interesting about this. He goes on to say, And it shall come to pass, he's quoting Joel, And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all your flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants, and on my maid, no, my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter quotes Joel that this will happen in the last days. 
and it shall come to pass in the last days. But Joel does not write this. This is not a quote of Joel. Peter quotes Joel verbatim, except he changes a word. It's kind of an important word. So see if this changes the meaning. Go over to Joel chapter 2. We're going to start over here at verse 1. We're not going to get to the prophecy that he quoted just yet. We wanted to see the context of what's going on. Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. For it is at hand a day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong. The like of whom has never been. Nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and their swift steeds, uh, so they run. With a noise that, like chariots over mountaintops, they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble. Like a strong people set in battle array, before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them, the heavens trouble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before His army, for His camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes His word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? How many of you all know that song, they run on the city, they run on the wall? Yeah, that's talking about the army of Satan. Sometimes we sing that song and we get excited. Oh yeah, we're running on the city, we're running on... No, 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 that's the army of Satan. And it is Jerusalem that is being attacked. And they're quoting Joel in that song. And this is what it is. It is the army of Satan, which Joel says, the world has never seen before, ever, nor will it ever see it again. It's saying that this army that will come against Jerusalem in all the time before has never been amassed. And in all the time after this, it will never be amassed again. Now, we already know that China is already has, has more in their army than the world has ever seen in an army. And they're going to be joined with other forces. And they're going to run upon the city of Jerusalem. And what he says to them here is that it will be utter destruction. It will be like the Garden of Eden before they get there. And in the front of them will be a desolate uh, a, a fire that just burns everything. And after them will be everything will be burning and it will be a desolate wasteland just from them passing through. Total and utter destruction is what Joel is predicting. He is, he is talking about the battle of Armageddon. The bloodiest, the worst battle the world will have ever seen. Jesus says, if I don't come in the middle of that battle, there would be no world. But he comes in the middle of the battle and he stops it. But total destruction is going on for Jerusalem, for Judea. And he comes in the middle of this. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. In verse 9, the earth quakes before them. There are so many marching that the earth quakes 
the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. Then in verse 11, the Lord gives voice before his army. Who is the army of the Lord? Is it the angels? No. It's the church. When Jesus comes in the second advent, the day of the Lord is the second advent. The day of the Lord is not the rapture. The day of the Lord is the second advent. When he comes, he comes with his church. He sets down, his feet set down upon the Mount of Olives and split it in two. But he comes with a sword. He says uh, when he was here, his first part of his ministry was that of the lamb. The second part would be that of the king, of the warrior, the one who would come and conquer. But that wasn't his first ministry. His first ministry when he came was to die on the cross. His second ministry would become to come and militarily victor over the, over the church. So then he would come with his army. What Joel is talking about is the battle of Armageddon. Verse 28. I already said this. The, the ones coming in to attack are Satan's army. And the battle is Armageddon. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Afterwards. Do you see the change? Peter knows this verse. He's quoting the rest of it verbatim, isn't he? It's coming up on the inside of him. He's, he's already quoted some other verses. He quoted verses when he talked about we had, to, we had to pick another. He's quoting verses. Verses are coming to him. He quotes this verse, and it shall come to pass not afterward, but in the last days. Everything else he quotes is verbatim. This one is changed. Does it change the meaning? Is there a difference between in the last days and afterward with what Joel is talking about? What Joel is talking about is the battle of Armageddon. He says afterwards, after what? After the army comes and after Jesus comes with his army and meets that and defeats that. All the verses in between talk about the defeat of that army and the restoration of Israel and, and the, in coming in his kingdom. Before that happens or... I'm sorry, right after that happens, it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After the battle of Armageddon. What Joel is talking about is not what Peter is relating this to. Not even close. We're off by only a couple thousand years. Joel's prediction is that after the battle of Armageddon and this massive army is destroyed, and Satan's army, and it describes these guys that, hey, you know, they come into the weapons, the weapons come after them, and they don't kill them. This is Satan's army. They're not dying. And they're coming, and they're just, whatever is in front of them, they just destroy until the Lord's army shows up. And then they've met their match. And he said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I shall pour my flesh, or pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. You young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants and my men's, uh, men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What days? What days is Joel talking about? After Armageddon. What are the days that follow the battle of Armageddon? There's a title to them. The millennial reign. During the millennial reign is when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. He comes with his army and then he sets up his throne. And for 1,000 years, he reigns on this earth. What Joel is saying, in those days. What days? The millennial reign. 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The young men shall see visions in what days? In the millennial reign. There are men servants and maidservants. I will pour my and I, I will pour my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So. Why is it that Peter takes the liberty to quote this verse at the beginning of the church age, not the beginning of the millennial reign? Understand, Peter is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter is speaking things for which he does not have understanding of. He is getting up there and he's speaking. And he's going to explain to them what's happening. Peter, does Peter really know what's happening? (laughs) Probably not. He doesn't really know what's what's going on. But the the Spirit of God comes upon him and he says, these guys are not drunk like you suppose. But it's like Joel said. It's like Joel said. And he, he changes a word. In the last days. Now, is Peter in the last days? Yeah, we just didn't know the last days was going to last 2,000 years. But he is in the last days. Is Paul in the last days? Doesn't Paul talk about the days like they're the last days? So, when the church begins, it begins the last days. But it does not begin the millennial reign. It begins the church age. Does Joel know about the church age? No. He does not know about the church age. All he knows about is the millennial reign and he is prophesying a prophecy about the millennial reign he does not know that there's going to be a church age peter didn't really know there was going to be a church age but now he's getting up and he's got a message about it and he preaches this message about joel brings out joel's joel's message so joel says that it shall come to pass afterward or after the battle but this battle hasn't happened yet so why is peter saying these kind of things Well, Joel's prophecy has to do with the millennial reign of Jesus. Then the Spirit of God will be poured out as it began. The Spirit of God, which is what Joel's saying, is as the millennial reign begins, after the battle, the skies are darkened, all this kind of stuff is going on in the cosmos, he's going to come on in and he's going to fix it all up. He's going to make it good again. And he's going to start the millennial reign. There will be a lot of work to do in the millennial reign. There will be many cities. There will be some cities that have been destroyed in the war. There will be some cities that have been damaged. And there are some cities that have not been. And we're going to take those cities. And God's going to take some of those cities and just give them to certain people. Who's he going to give them to? The ones who are faithful in the in this kingdom. Remember Jesus gave the commandment that a man want to get, a nobleman want to get himself a kingdom. Which means he had to leave a kingdom to go get another kingdom. What he was introducing there was the idea that there is a kingdom coming, but there is a kingdom that is now. So what Peter is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is this. The church is a type of the kingdom of the millennial reign. 
And that before the millennial reign, as the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, in the same way before this kingdom, the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. And so Peter took the liberty, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to change the wording. And instead of, in the la- instead of using afterwards, he uses in the last days. Because he says we're now in the last days. Now the, the Jews that are around him, they don't know that. They don't know we're in the last days because they don't know that Messiah has come. Peter knows it. And he's conveying the information to them. Messiah has come. You killed him. But he's going to be coming back. And as Joel said afterwards, I'm telling you this, in the last days, what you're seeing right now is the Spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh. And he says all the exact same things are going to happen that happened when the Spirit of God is poured out in the millennial reign. We're looking at a dual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So as both begin with the outpouring, or both begin with the outpouring, both the millennial reign and the church age begin with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The church age begins immediately as the Holy Spirit is poured out in that upper room. That's when the church age began. When the sound came, a loud sound. And the same thing when the millennial rain comes, Jesus is going to come sound with the, or come with the sound of a trumpet. It's going to announce it. It's going to, attention is going to be brought into the heavens. They're going to see him coming. And the Holy Spirit will be poured out again upon all flesh. Now, there's another place we need to go to in, in Joel. And this is in Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Joel did not understand what he was writing. But Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, picked up on this. He may not have completely comprehended it, but as he meditated on this later on, he probably got hold of it. The former rain is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church. The latter rain is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the millennial rain. When you were going to have a crop and you have a former rain, former rain, how many former rains do you have? More than one? When you put those seeds in the earth, how many times does it rain to get those things to grow? A number of times, doesn't it? And we keep seeing outpouring after outpouring after outpouring of the Holy Spirit throughout these days. We've seen a move of the Spirit here. We've seen a move of the Spirit here. We've seen a move of the Spirit here. There will be many former rains. And then comes the latter rain. The latter rain is the last rain. The last rain is the last rain. Which is what Joel was referring to directly but Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, got wind that there would be a former reign. That the church age would be reigned upon in the same way that the millennial reign would be reigned upon. Now, take a look at some other similarities here. Now, Joel didn't know the twofold nature of his prophecy. Because the church age was blinded. It was there. It was in prophecy, but they just didn't know about it. The latter reign is Joel 2.28. The former reign is Acts 2.17. Now look at these things about the millennial reign. In the millennial reign, Satan is bound for 1,000 years. He is bound up and he is put aside. Who's he bound up by? Jesus. Jesus binds him up. 
puts him away. He's done. He's out of here. The Spirit is poured out on who? All flesh. The Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh. And Jesus reigns. Isn't that right? Jesus sets up His throne and He reigns on the earth for 1,000 years. After which, there will be a rebellion. After which, there will be a battle. After which, Satan is released and he, he, he stirs up everybody that can and they all gather against Jerusalem, against Jesus, against His throne. What happens at the end of the church age? We have the tribulation in which all of Satan's kingdom rises up against all that is God's to try and wipe them out. And it happens at the end of the millennial reign. So the similarities are incredible. But here's another thing. In the church age, what happens to Satan? In the church age, what happens to the Spirit of God? He's poured out. In the church age... What does Jesus do? Does not Jesus reign in our hearts? Does not Jesus reign on the earth through us? Are not the words that we speak causing the word of God, the will of God to reign upon this earth? And what happens to Satan? Can he go about doing whatever he wants to do? What hinders him? The church. The church is meant to keep Satan bound up. Jesus will physically bound him up in the millennial reign. But during this time, during the type, we are supposed to bind him up. The Word of God uses phrases like he is under your feet. Right? We sing songs about that. Under my feet. <laughs> We sing songs about Satan being under our feet. We sing songs about being the head and not the tail. Satan is bound. How? Doesn't Jesus teach us that whatever we bind on earth will have been bound in heaven? Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven? So in the, in the millennial reign, Jesus does the binding. In the church age, the church does the binding. How much binding are we doing? We sometimes sit in the church age looking ahead to the millennial reign for Satan to be bound up. Not understanding that he has been bound up if we will take our place and do what we're supposed to do. The Spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh in this age. The Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh in the millennial reign. Jesus is here on the earth through us now. Jesus will be physically here on the earth in the millennial reign. It's up to us. We are a type of the millennial reign that is to come. In the millennial reign, there will be cities. In the millennial reign, there will be governors and mayors over those cities. There will be people who will be in charge. People under them. In the same way it is here. The Spirit of God has been poured out in us. Sometimes we have lost track of how much power that has put onto the inside of us and we have succumbed to a lot of things in this world thinking, well, it's just the way it's going to be. Peter changed one group of words. Afterwards became in the last days. 
That's not a slip of the tongue. That's not the same meaning. In the last days is not the same thing as after the battle of Armageddon. It's not the same thing. It's different. But what he's saying is this, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. We don't, what he's saying is we don't have to wait for the millennial reign to be here. The Holy Spirit has been poured out and we reign now. That's what his message involves. That's what he's teaching. He's not just saying the Holy Spirit has been poured out so that people make funny noises. That's not what he's teaching. What he's teaching is, look, this, is, this is, goes beyond far what you're seeing here. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel talked about how Jesus was coming. That Jesus would reign. That Jesus would come and put down the armies of the enemy. That's what the prophet spoke about. That's what he said. And what you're seeing right now is that. Jesus has poured out his spirit on all flesh for the purpose of defeating the enemy. For the purpose of subduing the forces of Satan. For the purpose of taking the army that has been arrayed against us so that we would become victorious over it. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. How often have we looked at this part of the message he preached and just looked at him explaining tongues? But he's not just explaining tongues. He's doing more. And what's more, Peter is giving a visual example of it. He is showing a man who could not understand the third day, who could not understand when Satan was using him and pulled Jesus aside and said, you shouldn't ought to talk about dying. It's not a good thing for you to talk about. And Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. This same Peter gets up and takes a verse of Scripture that he probably has memorized and that he has heard preached because, you know, this has got to be a favorite one of the Jews. They were looking for a Messiah to come and kick out Rome from their country. So they're preaching about Joel's day. Joel's, this is what Joel said. And their, their army is here and our army is coming. And so they preached about this a lot. He had this, it's easy for him to have this, this scripture memorized. He's got this down. They all were looking for this. He's saying, you've been looking for it. You've been looking for it. You've been looking for it. It's here. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, but Joel said afterwards, but he said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We tend to focus on the prophecy part. We tend to focus on the vision part. We tend to focus on, on the dreams. And there's rightfully, there, there's parts to be seen in that. It's part of the prophecy. But understand the whole prophecy. The army has come. A devastating army. And the spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh after Jesus came with his army and defeated them. He defeated them. And he's going to come and set up his kingdom. He's going to set up his throne. And he's going to reign. What Peter is saying is this. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. The kingdom has been 
set up. And we are in that kingdom. And so he's doing a whole lot more than explaining about tongues. He's explaining about the church age. He is introducing them to the church age, what the church would do. And the purpose that the church is, is the church would be the army of God that would go after Satan's kingdom and defeat it. We are to defeat Satan, not be defeated by him. We are to defeat him. At every place that he puts things, we are to defeat it. We are so powerful that Paul in his writing says that the Antichrist cannot even reveal who he is until we are gone. We are that powerful. But if he can convince us that we are not powerful, then we sit back and we do nothing. If we think that all the Holy Spirit was here to do was to have us talk funny, we've missed what the Holy Spirit is to do. Praying in tongues is good. Speaking in tongues is great. Prophesying is, is wonderful. But this is all part of the kingdom of God. And we are a type of the millennial kingdom that is to come. When Jesus came the first time, what was going to come before him? Elijah. It was prophesied that Elijah would come before Jesus. And we know that there will be two witnesses that will come in the end times. The tribulation times, the very end times. And that one of those witnesses would be Elijah. The other one is supposed to be Moses. I think with good reason. It seems like those two will be the, the two that will pair up and, um, and go around and, and some of the miracles and some of the things that they were doing. But what did Jesus say when he was here? I say to you, Elijah has come. John the Baptist was Elijah before Jesus came. Elijah will come before Jesus' next coming. There are similarities. There is the first coming of Jesus. There is the second coming of Jesus. And Elijah comes before each of those. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, what was poured out on him? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes at his second coming, what is poured out? The Holy Spirit. So many similarities. When Jesus came, he came to do the things that were necessary to set up church. He paid the penalty. The veil was written too so the Holy Spirit would live in us. And we could become that powerhouse. We could become... This is the kingdom that God has. Is us. And Jesus gave many a parable of the kingdom of God and what it would be. There's the kingdom of God that is now. There's the kingdom of God that is to come. But they're the kingdom of God. We are that kingdom. We are called to rule and to reign. We are called to use the name of Jesus. We are called to expel darkness by bringing in the light. And there will be many people that will hate us because of the light that we bring. And those, all you got to do, if you want to find some people out who really are okay to, to listen to, look at who the news media hates. Guarantee you, anybody that the news media hates is worth listening to. Guarantee it to you. Because there's some light in them that they need to calm down. They need to get rid of. They need to do something about. There is light that we are to bring into the world. In this kingdom, we are to bring that light. In the next kingdom, is there not light that comes to this world? A light that is apart from the sun 
It will be daytime on this earth even when the sun is not shining because of the light that comes from the throne of Jesus, from the new city, Jerusalem. That light will be so intense, it will light everything up. Our light is that light. We've got to get our view of the kingdom a little different. Don't just say, oh, wait for the millennial reign. No, we are that type of that reign. Let's live like it. Let's do more of it. So open your outline. So is that different? Is there a difference really between the millennial reign and what we're doing now? Jesus is the reign through us. There he will reign directly. That's the biggest difference that you have. The Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh before or as the church age starts. The Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh as the millennial reign begins. Satan is bound in the millennial reign and Satan is bound by us in the church age. Understand this. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, scriptures will open up to us as to their meaning and their impact on our life like never before. Peter, I guarantee you, you get to heaven, you ask Peter, sit Peter down and say, Peter, did you have any idea about what Joel meant before you preached that message? He says, man, words are coming out of my mouth. I didn't even understand them. As I was preaching, I had to go home and study it myself. Guarantee you, Hosea, something like that. The Holy Spirit will give you inspiration on Scripture. But what is neat is that Peter is speaking about a New Testament experience and goes to the Old Testament to prove it. The Holy Spirit will never lead you, never direct you, never give you light of some kind of revelation that you do not find in both the Old and the New Testament. It's there. It's there for you to find. And He will help you do it. This message that is preached by Peter, it seems innocent. It seems very simple. But this is what he's talking about right here. This is that spoken by Joel meant a whole lot to them because they've been looking forward to the day of Joel for a long time. And Peter gets up there and says, this is it. The Spirit of God has been poured out. It's being poured out right now. Joel talked about it. You're seeing it. And yet, the battle hadn't occurred. Joel had no idea that he was given a prophecy that was going to be fulfilled two different times. But how often in Scripture is a prophecy fulfilled twice? So many times a prophecy is fulfilled two times. When Antichrist is predicted, there is a forerunner, isn't there? There is the first one. We didn't even know he was coming. Now, Daniel gave warning of it. Antiochus Epiphanes came to within nine-tenths of fulfilling everything that the Antichrist was supposed to do. And he's predicted he'll do this, 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 and this, and this. But he was the forerunner of the Antichrist. It was the first first thing. There were other places in Scripture where this was the event that was talked about, but there was, a, there was a second one. Even the fall of Lucifer had a double meaning, a double prophecy. Many times a double prophecy comes in. This is just one of those times. But no one knew it because no one knew of the church age. But you are living in a type of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. If the earth is in bad shape, it's not our, our place to blame it on Him. It is our fault. We are to reign in this life the same way that Jesus will reign 
in the millennial kingdom. Are we reigning? Is the Holy Spirit poured out on us to do more, more than just alter our speech? Hasn't that also altered your power, your understanding, your knowledge of Scripture? It should open up your eyes to see things that you had never seen before. And you should be able to be like Peter who gets up in the midst of all these folks and preaches on the Scripture, something I'll bet five minutes ago he didn't understand. And yet he eloquently articulates this. I only got halfway through Peter's sermon. He's got more to go. But what an important part for us to, to see and to, and to understand. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to understand all that is written in your Word. For the depth of your word is great. Sometimes we have settled for a lesser meaning. Not quite understanding the whole thing. But just as you opened up Peter's eyes and he preached this message, just as you opened up Paul's eyes and he saw things, just as you opened up John's eyes and he saw things, you open up our eyes to see. And the Father, even when we are ministering to people, speaking to people, enlightening people, on the inside of us, revelation can come up at that moment and give us understanding as to what we're speaking about. Father, that is a move of your spirit. That is the power of God at work. And it will stop the forces of Satan. Thank you for the help that you give us. In all that, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.